Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week we are going to look at the most important week in our church calendar, Holy Week. Now, where have we been? Well, we've gone from Advent at the end of last year, where we were waiting for the coming of the Messiah, to Christmas Day and Christmas, where we celebrate his birth, to Epiphany, where he appears and he shows himself. We rejoice in his showing himself to us, showing himself to the world. And then into Lent, with the beginning of Lent, starting on Ash Wednesday, which is a very solemn day of preparation and fasting and preparing our hearts for the Lord. And so over a five Sunday period, first Sunday in Lent, second Sunday in Lent, etc., to the fifth Sunday in Lent, which we talked about last week, we are preparing ourselves for Holy Week. And Holy Week is the ultimate week of preparation before the resurrection of Christ. And so we celebrate, as you see in your post, from Palm Sunday to Holy Saturday. So on Palm Sunday, a quick overview, is when Jesus comes into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. And if you'll look at your Old Testament lesson, Zechariah 9, 9 through 12, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Zechariah is a minor prophet at the close to the end of the 39 books of the Old Testament. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's Jesus. Zechariah 9.9. 9. And so he comes in. And everybody's excited and they're waving palm branches and they're shouting Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They just love him. And then Holy Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, we celebrate Jesus being in Jerusalem. And you'll see this in the scriptures in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where he goes into Jerusalem and then he stays there until Passover. He celebrates Passover what we call um, Maundy Thursday. So Maundy Thursday is about the Passover. And then that night, Judas turns him in, remember? And he has a trial that night. And on Good Friday, the famous Good Friday, he dies on a cross. And by 3 p.m. on Good Friday, he is dead. He is laid in a tomb. And he is dead and buried Friday night into all day Saturday. And we see Holy Saturday is celebration of his burial. Jesus is dead. Now, the following week, of course, is Easter week, where on Sunday we celebrate Jesus' resurrection from the dead, and we celebrate his appearing uh, at the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, and Acts, the first chapter of Acts, where he appears and we celebrate that. But that'll be for next week. So this week you want to concentrate on preparing yourself for the death of Christ on Good Friday, the burial of Christ on Holy Saturday, and the resurrection of Christ on Easter Sunday. Now, the Holy Week scriptures for the lectionary are immense. Immense meaning there is no possible way in in a 15 to 20, 22-minute program I can go through all the scriptures. They are rich. They are intense. They are significant. They are wonderful, they are eclectic, they are perfect for the time of Jesus' preparation from death. And as you'll see in your post, 
There's a listing in the Old Testament in Zechariah. Those are very, very important Old Testament prophecies. Then we look at Lamentations, and I'll share with you about Lamentations. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 of Lamentations. We look at Palm Sunday in 1 Timothy chapter 6 uh, in our New Testament lessons. Then we uh, continue our work in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 Peter 1, and then interestingly on Holy Saturday, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 4, 1 through 16. And then finally, for our gospel readings, we start with Luke chapter 19, and then we continue our journey with Jesus in Mark chapter 11 and 12, and then in 14, this is the place that he is going to, we're going to talk about the passion of Christ. And then on Good Friday, we look at John 13 and John 19. And then finally, on Holy Saturday, we are looking at Romans 8, 1 through 11, which is a fascinating scripture. Romans 8, about the f- spirit and the flesh. One of my favorite chapters of the Bible is Romans chapter 8. All right. So what I'd like you to do is uh, take your time this week. Maybe even set aside some prayer time. Certainly, if you go have a church or go to a church or have uh, perhaps live stream services uh, where they are uh, showing uh, the uh, Maundy Thursday service, uh, the Good Friday service, uh, Palm Sunday services, you'll want to participate in those, either by being in person or live stream. You'll want to be praying during the week these wonderful scriptures from the daily lectionary as you prepare yourself for the death and burial of Christ that we see on Good Friday and Holy Saturday. All right, so I've just shown you Zechariah chapter 9, 9 through 12. Look at Zechariah chapter 12, 9 through 11. On that day I will set out for to destroy all the nations that attack Jerusalem, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication, verse 10. They will look on me, the one they have pierced. Remember, Jesus is pierced in his side. And mourn for him who, as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves a firstborn son. So the idea of the piercing of Jesus is, is very, very, very significant there. Lamentations. So enjoy Zechariah. Lamentations is after Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. Now, after the prophet of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is what we call the weeping prophet. Lots of terrible things happened because the people of Israel did not listen to the weeping prophet Jeremiah, and they suffered significant consequences. In fact, so significant that they were led into exile by Babylonia beginning in 601 BC and extending through 587. Their temple was destroyed. The people were taken into captivity. It was a horrible and bleak time. Lamentations is a reflection of that time. And as we prepare ourselves for Holy Week, we want to be in a state of lamentation. We want to be thinking about our sin. We want to think about our separation from God. We want to think about all the ways that we have rebelled against him. We want to remember what it feels like to be deserted and to be without God. And we want to call on God to be, hear our prayer. For example, start in chapter 1, verse 1. 
How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who was once great among the nations. She, w she was queen, she who was queen among the provinces, has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night, tears are upon her cheeks. Among all of her lovers, verse 2, there is none to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. She has become her enemies. They have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labor, verse 3, Judah has gone into exile. Just what I said the southern kingdom. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. And it goes on and on. Why? Verse 5, her foes have become her masters. Her enemies are at ease. The Lord has brought her grief because of her many sins. Her children have gone into exile, captive before the foe. She has sinned against the Lord. The Lord has brought her grief. She is paying for her sin. Jesus pays for our sin on the cross. Our separation from God, our disobedience of God, brought the Messiah to his knees, as it were, and to a cross to die and atone for our sins. And so journey with the writer of Lamentations, verse 8 of chapter 1, Jerusalem has sinned greatly and so has become unclean. See how distressed I am, O Lord. Verse 20, I am in torment within. In my heart I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. Chapter 2. How the Lord, verse 1, has covered the daughter of Zion with the cloud of his anger. He has hurled down the splendor of Israel from heaven to earth. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. And it goes on and on and on. Verse 9, chapter 2. Her gates have sunk into the ground, their bars he has broken and destroyed. Her king and her princesses are exiled among the nations. The law is no more. The law is no more. And their prophets no longer find visions from the Lord. The Lord's not speaking. They've abdicated the law. It's gone. They're going into captivity. And they are suffering an egregious series of blows because of their disobedience against the Lord. Verse 17 of chapter 2, the Lord has done what he planned. He has fulfilled his word, which he decreed long ago. He has overthrown you without pity. He has let the enemy gloat over you. He has exalted the horn of the, your foes. Now, you're probably not used, if you have never read Lamentations before, you're probably not used to hearing scriptures in this way. It's very, very different. Take your time and focus on the words. They will sink deeply in your soul because they are very powerful, very powerful. However, here's the good news. It's right in the middle. Chapter 3, verse 19. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, hope in him. Verse 25. To the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Verse 31. Men are not cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. And we see those scriptures read on 
Good Friday. Finally, 337 to 58. Let's examine our ways, verse 40, and test them. Let us return to the Lord. Verse 48, 10 verses, 8 verses down. Streams of tears flow from my eyes because my people are destroyed. The Lord redeems, the Lord destroys. And if you care to spend some time in chapter 4 and 5, they are excellent also. Enjoy this amazing five chapters. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We see the comfort that we find in Christ. And we're going to need some comfort in this Holy Week series of readings as we look at the preparation of Christ unto death on Good Friday and burial on Holy Saturday. We celebrate his burial. We find the comfort of Christ in chapter 1, 1 through 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 3, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. That is a great scripture. Comfort that we've received from God. God being with us. May God comfort you powerfully this week as you and I deal with our sin and our sinfulness and our separation from God brought by our sin and our sinfulness. Continuing to read on through 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2. God is faithful. Verse 21. Now it is God who, chapter 1, who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. We pray that we, you and I would stand firm in the Lord and that God would do that work. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, put his spirits in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what has come. So we have the Holy Spirit, we have Christ dying for us, and we have God who makes us and helps us to stand forth in Christ. The whole the Holy Trinity, as it were, is working in and through us in these momentous times in Holy Week as we prepare again for Christ's death. And so we read, as you can see in your post, chapter 2 through verse 11. We shift to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 11, and those both talk about communion as Jesus prepares for the Last Supper that we again celebrate on Monday, Thursday. Those are two very good scriptures in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11 about, um, about that. 1 Peter chapter 1, 10 through 20, I especially call us to that because that is the scripture for Good Friday. 1 Peter chapter 1, 10 through 20. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 through 20. Concerning this salvation, verse 10, the prophets who spoken of the grace that was come to you, to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It's important to embrace the sufferings of Christ. It's important to see what the sufferings of Christ are. And so he says in verse 13, 15, a very famous verse, Just as he called you as holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy as I am holy. And he talks about the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, perfect lamb, verse 19. And so think about these things again as we prepare ourselves for Good Friday. Hebrews 4, 1 through 
16, Hebrews 4, 1 through 16, verse 12. The Word of God is living and active, and I pray that's what it'll be for this week and Holy Week for all of us. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We want that Word of God to sink deeply into our mind, into our soul. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Verse 13, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of whom we must give an account. We want the word of God to penetrate deeply. We want the word of God to touch our souls. We want the word of God that we're reading on a daily basis out of the daily lectionary readings. We want that word of God to sink deeply and to speak to us. This is why taking your time, praying, perhaps doing some meditation and study, Maybe even memorization, highlighting verses in your Bible or writing it down on a tablet. Very important. You want the Word of God to permeate in a very strong way. Let's go back to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, 12 to 25. Jesus clears the temple. He enters Jerusalem. Then he clears the temple. He clears the temple because they are making a mockery of God's house. Jesus continues on in chapter 11 and 12. The authority of Jesus is questioned. In 12, he gives the parable of the tenants, a very famous um, parable about the fact that the Jewish people, the vineyard, man planted a vineyard, put a wall around it, verse 1, dug a pit, built a watchtower, he rented it to some farmers, went on a journey. And then they killed, eventually, the son. Come, let's kill him, verse 7. The inheritance will be ours. They took him and killed him, and he threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do, God Almighty, after they killed his son, which is obviously what happened? He will come and kill those who tenants and give the vineyard to others. And that's what happened. The, the Gentiles believed. They looked for a way to arrest him, verse 12. Because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. That we were, they were afraid of the crowd. So they left him and went away. That was a very, very strong message from Christ. So he knows he's going to die. He tells them in a fabulous parable that they are going to kill him. And tells them what God is going to do as a result of it. Then on Monday, Thursday, we go to Mark 14, 12 to 25. Mark 14, 12 to 25. And so we have the Lord's Supper. Remember, I referred to 1 Corinthians 10 and 1 Corinthians 11. So you may also, of course, want to look at first Mark chapter 14, the coming of the Lord's Supper. Very important celebration. Verse 24, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine, until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. Jesus is preparing himself to die. He has the Last Supper with all 12, including Judas. Then we shift to John 13, 36 to 38. John 13, 36 to 38. John 13, 36 to 38. Lord, where are you going? Where I'm going, you cannot follow now. He says to Peter, but you will follow it. Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Verse 38. This is on Good Friday. Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will deny 
me three times. You will disown me three times. There's the great prophecy about the denial of Peter, which is a horrendous day for Peter. In John 19, we have two scriptures for um, Good Friday from John. John 19, 38 to 42. 38 to 42. 38 to 42. John 19, you see what that's about? The burial of Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus in 38. And Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body. They prepared the body and they laid him in a new tomb, which one had where no one had ever been laid, verse 41. Because it was the Jewish feast of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. So we see that at the end of Good Friday, which is appropriate. That's the time to, to put the burial of Jesus, because obviously it didn't happen on Saturday. We celebrate on Saturday his burial, but he was actually buried after 3 o'clock on Good Friday. And then finally, we end with a triumphant note. Romans chapter 8, 1 through 11. Therefore, there is no condemnation, now no condemnation, for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of death. And so here's the afterthought. Here's what happens as a result of Christ's death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. We see at the end of the chapters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, his resurrection. We see in Acts chapter 1, his ascension into heaven. And Paul's writing in Romans chapter 8, this extraordinary thing that God has done for us in Christ by raising him from the dead and now giving us new life. He says, the mind of sinful man is death, verse 6, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. And so we end on a very positive note, but we see the separation between the Spirit and the flesh. And God encourages us to follow the Spirit and not the flesh in order to have eternal life. Verse 10, But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. By the death and the resurrection of Christ, he has not only atoned for our sins and become a sacrifice for our sins, but he's given us eternal life for all who call on the name of the Lord. And now the Spirit of Christ is in us. So, as you and I prepare for Holy Week, I pray that it will be a blessed week. And you and I will take time during the week to prioritize these scriptures and your preparation for them and your reflection, self-reflection. Listen to God and what he tells you as he reveals to you his truth during this holy time. May God bless you abundantly. And next week, I'll be sharing with you the resurrection of Christ from the dead.